Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. For the best way to fall asleep with Nightfalls, you can now become a premium supporter. Enjoy the entire back catalogue of Nightfalls classics, all with a rich, immersive and totally ad-free experience. If you love falling asleep to Nightfalls, Nightfalls Premium will elevate your sleep while helping to support myself and the team. We love creating Nightfalls, but without supporters, it wouldn't be possible. Join Nightfalls Premium today in just two taps on both Apple Podcasts or via the Supercast link found in the show notes for all other podcast players. Your sleep will thank you for it, and so will I. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Jeffrey. Welcome back to Nightfalls. Come, settle in for tonight's calming meditation and soothing bedtime story. As always, don't worry if you fall asleep before the end. You can drift off whenever you're ready. I found myself looking up at the stars just a few nights ago. The clocks have gone back and it was dark, nice and early. And the night sky was crystal clear. It reminded me how small I am and how inconsequential my biggest worries really are. Maybe that's part of the wonder of looking up. Appreciation and relief. (laughs) I hope tonight's tale can give a little of that to you. Come. Warm your hands by the fireside as we rejoin astronaut Logan Anderson. 
His life on Mars has changed rather a lot since he first landed some six years ago. Dogen's story has caused me to reflect on the promise and fear of new horizons that I, like many people, have experienced. Life changes rapidly and we often find ourselves in the midst of a new and sometimes unexpected adventure which can be daunting. But, as Logan's story proves, we all have a rather wonderful and tremendously human ability to adapt and thrive in any environment. Before we drift above the atmosphere and carve a path away from the noise and chaos of Earth, Let's take a moment to relax. Come to a comfortable position and allow your eyes to gently drift closed. Draw a deep breath in as you enjoy a moment of stillness for perhaps the first time all day. Exhaling, know that this is your time to simply be with your body, to be with your thoughts. Breathing in, allow yourself a few moments to think and feel of all the things you've suppressed today, the needs that have been sidelined and the thoughts that have gone ignored. As you exhale, feel all of that inner chaos draining from your body. Breathing in once more, consider how you're feeling tonight, in this very moment. And exhale. As your body begins to wind down from the day and the natural processes that sustain you begin to slow, lean into the natural lengthening of your breath. Inhaling, draw the need for sleep into your body. Exhaling, release the happenings and the heart of the day, pushing them further and further from you with each out-breath. Now, if you're feeling ready, center your attention on the sound of my voice and tonight's story can begin. The sun rose slowly over the Martian horizon and cast its flowing light over the amber-hued landscape. Through the visor of his helmet, Logan Anderson watched the spectacular sight unfolding before him. 
even though he'd lived on the red planet for six years. He'd never tired of watching its magnificent sunrises. Logan had work to do, but he lingered a little longer and gazed at the pale blue sky as it slowly turned orange. The orange gently gave way to delicate shades of pink, which darkened into warm tones of red. The amber skies of Mars were now as familiar to Logan as the blue skies of Earth had once been. After another minute of serene contemplation, Logan turned away from the view and walked across the dusty, red ground towards his space buggy. He climbed in and drove in the direction of the colonized living area. It was 15 minutes later when he got his first glimpse of the huge hemisphere which was the central hub on the planet. The structure was linked to a dozen other hubs via a series of tunnels, both above the ground and below it. It never ceased to amaze Logan how quickly the colonization of Mars had taken place and how swiftly people had adapted to their new environment. He'd been one of a 12-person crew who had made the maiden voyage six years ago. He would never forget the first time he had stepped onto the planet and how he'd looked back at his footprints in utter astonishment. He still remembered picking up a handful of red soil and watching it trickle through his fingers. Being a doctor of soil studies, he planned to grow a variety of crops on Mars with the aim to provide enough food for all inhabitants. To his delight, his endeavours had been more successful than he could ever have imagined. And with help from his team, they provided a constant supply of vegetables and fruit. He had even produced a large indoor garden that was abundant with trees and flowers. It was a popular place for the residents to relax throughout the day. Despite what he had already achieved, Logan still had dreams yet to fulfill. He imagined the day when crops could be grown outside, directly in the red soil, and thriving orchards would stretch towards the horizon, ripe with pears and apples, ready to be harvested. Wild flowers would dance in a warm Martian breeze, their fragrances scenting the air. Humming bees would flit from one rose to another, 
Falling leaves from trees would drift through the air. Birds would sing joyfully from treetops. Logan smiled. His dreams were as numerous as the stars which filled the sky. And it was easy to get delightfully lost in them. But that was the thing with Mars. Anything seemed possible. And those dreams which nestled deep within your heart. The ones you didn't even know were there. Had a way of coming true. He wasn't the only one to get lost in his plans and dreams about life on Mars. There was a special faraway look that often alighted in a person's eyes as they thought about their future plans and creations. It was affectionately known as having a Mars moment, something Logan was guilty of every day. But he wasn't the only one to have Mars moments or to achieve results beyond his most incredible dreams. Amazing discoveries happened all the time on Mars. As he drove closer to the hub, Logan remembered there was a team meeting taking place inside the Ortiz hub, and he was already running a few minutes late for it. Hastening a little, Logan parked the buggy and entered the nearest airlocked tunnel, where he swiftly completed the safety precautions before taking a shuttle ride to the Ortiz hub. As soon as he entered the hub, he was greeted by the smiling faces of his friends who had made the maiden voyage to Mars with him. With an apology on his lips, Logan walked towards the table where they were seated. He didn't get the chance to say sorry because Captain Louisa Ortiz put her hands over her chest and with a familiar twinkle of mischief in her eyes, said, I cannot believe you're late to our first ever meeting in this wonderful hub, which has been named after me. May I take a wild guess and say you've been caught up in the magic of a sunrise again, and it caused you to lose all sense of time? Guilty, Logan replied, and I do apologize sincerely. He cast an appreciative look around the hub. This is impressive. I love the display of photographs from our early years. I always forget how much has been achieved since we first arrived. Me too, the captain admitted. This area is impressive. You're right about that. Though why they named it after me is still a mystery. It wasn't a mystery to Logan. He knew how hard the captain worked and how she was always looking for ways to improve the living conditions of people who now called Mars their home. And when she wasn't doing that, she was working on reverse engineering the atmosphere on Mars, which would one day lead to making the air breathable. 
of all the impossible dreams on Mars, that one was the biggest. Or so it seemed. But Louisa was convinced it would happen one day, despite the seemingly never-ending obstacles which kept coming her way. Logan took a seat at the table and listened to the latest data provided by his fellow scientists. When it came to Dr. Gregory Beckenbauer's turn, everyone leaned in to listen more closely in case he had some long-awaited news for them. The respected geologist waited until he had everyone's attention. Then he broke into a wide smile, nodded and said, It's happened. There was an impromptu round of applause. Everyone fell silent as they waited for Dr. Beckenbauer to continue. In a voice mixed with disbelief and jubilation, the doctor reminded them of how he had discovered a small segment of green crystal hidden deep within one of the lava tubes. It wasn't a crystal that was familiar to him, and after undertaking a careful excavation, he'd taken the item back to his laboratory Thereafter, followed a series of experiments to identify the material. It didn't take long for the geologist to conclude it was a completely new crystal, which hadn't appeared anywhere on Earth. As such, he surmised, it was native to Mars. It was only when he shaved slivers off the crystal that he discovered something even more exciting. Within the clear, green material, he saw tiny seeds of different shapes and colours. They'd been frozen in time. It was at that stage he had got in touch with Logan and asked for his professional opinion on the seeds. Logan inspected them over and over again before telling the geologist he'd never seen the seeds before. But some of them did hold a resemblance to ones he'd collected from a tree that grew in a remote desert. Logan had helped Dr. Beckenbauer to extract the seeds and plant them in carefully labelled pots. The soil used was of the highest quality, which had been cultivated by Logan over the last six years. Logan and the geologist had no idea if the seeds would sprout, or if they had lain dormant too long, to be anything other than precious fossils. Once the seeds were in their pots, Logan had briefly considered offering to look after them in his covered garden, which was kept at a steady temperature. But one look at the geologist's face, and he knew it was something the doctor wanted to do on his own. And that was the last thing anyone had heard about the mysterious Martian seeds. 
until now. Dr. Beckenbauer reached into a closed box at his side and opened the lid. He picked up a pot and placed it on the table. There was a collective gasp of amazement from everyone as they looked on in wonder at the thick green stem which rose sturdily from the soil. Long green leaves radiated from the top of the stem, their texture smooth and shiny. Logan looked a little closer. He told everyone the seedling appeared similar to a tree that thrived in the jungles of India. Dr. Beckenbauer produced another pot and put it next to the other one. It too had a strong stem rising from its soil blanket, but it differed in size and shape to its neighbour. It was thinner with needle-type leaves, and according to Logan, those leaves were similar to ones found on fir trees. The good doctor hadn't finished his presentation and brought forth eight more pots. Each one was uniquely different to the others. They all reminded Logan of trees he'd seen and studied on Earth. Once everyone had taken stock of the plants, the questions began. With a smile on his bearded face, Dr. Beckenbauer happily answered them all. Yes, the seeds had all come from the green crystal. Yes, he'd used the soil given to him by Logan. And no, he didn't know what the acid to alkali ratio of the soil was. Yes, he'd watered them every day. He admitted he talked to them because he'd read somewhere that plants respond to kind words. And sometimes he sang German nursery rhymes to them. No, he didn't have any theories yet about why the seeds were grouped together, but agreed it was an exciting find which had already led to further exploration of the area within the lava tube. Logan asked the final question. What are you going to do with them now? Dr. Beckenbauer gently pushed the pots in Logan's direction and said he was going to let the horticultural expert take care of them. Logan looked at the seedlings with fresh eyes and became lost in his thoughts. Where should he put them? Where would be the best place for them to flourish? How tall would they grow? Would these be the first trees to grow on Mars in billions of years? Based on the appearance of the seedlings, he would be wise to look at their nearest Earth counterparts and take their environments into account and perhaps try to recreate microclimates. He felt a light tap on his shoulder. It was Captain Ortiz. Are you having a Mars moment? 
Logan nodded and admitted he was having more than one. The captain asked if the school children could be involved in his project, as it would be a wonderful learning experience for them. Logan agreed and said he would speak to their teacher later about it. You can talk to him now, the captain replied. I can hear the children coming along the corridor. They went on a field trip yesterday and promised to bring their written reports and drawings to us today. I'm going to put them on the walls of this hub. Moments later, they heard the sound of chattering children coming closer. The door to the hub opened and a line of pupils entered. The first child through the door was someone who'd become a big part of Logan's life. Soon after Logan arrived on Mars six years ago, he had shared his horticultural work with the people back on Earth. He'd received many messages of support from all around the world, including contact from Natasha Jones and her daughter who lived in England. Through their shared love of gardening, the trio became good friends. It had been a total surprise when Natasha and Maisie had turned up on Mars three years ago as part of a new arrival of settlers, which, for the first time, included children. Maisie had been the first child to step onto the red soil. Natasha and Logan had soon discovered they had a lot in common. And it hadn't been long before they'd fallen head over heels in love with each other. Falling in love hadn't been part of Logan's plan for his time on Mars. But sometimes, life had other ideas for a person. Much to the delight of the Martian community, the couple had married in front of a congregation of over 1,500 guests. It was a magical day, and everyone pitched in to bring some joy to the day. Logan's team even surprised them with a bouquet of sunflowers for Natasha to hold through the ceremony. They were her absolute favourite flowers. The team had been growing them secretly in one of the greenhouses. They scolded Logan in jest for how hard it was to keep the plants concealed. Logan was always poring over the flower beds and rifling through the sheds, and so it had been exceedingly difficult to hide something from him within his precious garden. The ceremony took place in the warm, sweet air of the garden, amongst the trees and plants. Afterwards was a huge party with food, music and dancing. At the time, Captain Ortiz had pointed out that not everyone could say they'd invited a whole planet to their wedding. It had been a day to remember for everyone, and something that was talked about fondly. 
the most precious moment of the day for Logan, however, had come later, when he, Natasha and Maisie took a break from the festivities to go and watch the Martian moonrise. Two little moons, not dissimilar from the moon of Earth, apart from in their number, came into view. Phobos and Deimos. One was slightly misshapen, and both were heavily cratered. They were equally beautiful, like white pearls hanging in the pink-hued sky. With Natasha in his arms, and Maisie pressing her nose to the window by their side, Logan felt like his home on Mars was complete, and completely perfect. The rest of the children entered the hub, their eyes widening as they looked around. Logan raised a hand in greeting to Maisie as she walked over to the learning corner of the hub. She shot him a grin and waved back. With impressive organizational skills, the teacher, Mr. Cuthbert, swiftly had the children seated on a row of chairs with folders held firmly in their hands. Mr. Cuthbert took a chair at the end of the row and told Captain Ortiz they were ready. Captain Ortiz and her crew took up a seated position in front of the children and waited for them to begin. Mr. Cuthbert spoke first and explained how they'd visited Olympus Mons the previous day. He then asked the children to tell Captain Ortiz and her colleagues about their trip, including their favourite parts. He smiled at the nearest child and told him to go first. With barely controlled excitement, the young boy talked about the mountain and how it was the highest one in the whole of the solar system and much, much bigger than Mount Everest. And did they know that a very long time ago it was a volcano? An actual, real volcano. Logan and his colleagues knew a lot about Olympus Mons, but hearing the details coming from an eager child brought a fresh perspective to it. The boy continued, waving his hands around. He explained that all the lava which flowed from the volcano created a huge raised area as big as France. Another child joined in and said one day people will be able to walk to the centre of the mountain and it will take them two days to get to the middle. He broke into a big smile and said he would jump all the way there and all the way back and wouldn't even get tired. Some of his classmates said they would do that too. The adults smiled at their happy faces 
children loved the effects of the planet's gravity on them and how they could jump higher than they ever had done on Earth. The children took turns to speak and explained what the huge mountain had looked like to them. Some said it was like a magical castle with enchanted walls that went on forever and touched the red sky. Others said it was an enormous sand castle that a giant had made and left behind. The youngest girl was convinced she'd seen a secret door in the highest wall of rock and she had told Mr. Cuthbert about it. Mr. Cuthbert nodded and said, Alas, he hadn't been able to see the door, but he would look closer the next time they went to the mountain. The children held up pictures they'd made of Olympus Mons. Captain Ortiz pronounced them wonderful works of art and said she would display them on the walls for all to see. Dr. Gregory Beckenbauer took a few minutes to explain the geological importance of the mountain to the children and said there could be fossils trapped inside the layers of rock. He would be undertaking an expedition to Olympus Mons in the next few years and if any of the children wished to be part of his team, they should let him know. Every child's hand shot up and they gave the doctor expectant looks full of hope. The doctor let out a rumble of a laugh and said they could all be on his team. The teacher advised the adults the class would be visiting the deep canyons of Valles Marineris the following week. You must come back and tell us all about it, Captain Ortiz said. It's been a while since I was last there, and I'd like to know what the children make of it. With an indication from Mr. Cuthbert, the children quietly left the hub, waving and smiling to the crew as they went. Logan and his colleagues agreed that having children on Mars brought a fresh view of things they had now grown accustomed to. He wondered what they'd make of Valles Marineris and the sheer size of it. Captain Ortiz was staring at one of the pictures the children had left on their chairs. She had a familiar, faraway look on her face. She pulled an electronic device from her pocket and began to tap away at it. Mutters of reverse atmosphere and higher up came from her. The crew knew to leave her alone when she was in one of her creative states. So they silently stood up and walked away. Logan took the potted seedlings back to his lab and began to work out the most advantageous positions for them. The day flew by and it wasn't long 
before the sun began its journey towards the horizon. The red sky turned pale orange, and the two moons of Mars became visible. It was time to go home. He arrived at his dwelling a short time later to find his wife and stepdaughter waiting for him in the kitchen. As they sat down to dinner, Maisie was full of chatter about her school trip to the mountain. She had lots to tell him, and she had many questions about the upcoming trip to the canyons. In return, Logan told Maisie and Natasha about the seedlings and his plans for them. As always, he would share his findings with the people on Earth. He said it would be amazing to see new trees growing on Mars, orchards to begin with, and then forests. Forests of Martian pines scenting the air with their needles. Ginormous oak trees dropping their acorns to land on the pillow of soft, vibrant dust that covered Martian ground. Maybe one day, weeping willows whose delicate laden branches cascaded like a waterfall, glowing in the light of two moons. Martian woods with trees and bushes and wildflowers that we one day will run through and explore. Logan's voice trailed off as he got quite carried away with his daydreams. With a soft smile on her face, Natasha spoke, drawing him back into the present. She said the trees wouldn't be the only new things growing on Mars. She placed her hand on her stomach and told Logan there was a baby on the way. Logan was too happy to speak. A baby. Their baby. The first baby on Mars. It was something he never thought would happen to him. But that was the thing about Mars. Those dreams which nestled deep within your heart. The ones you didn't even know were there. Had a way of coming true.